I had ideas while I was in VR. And, and I remember that I was um, working a bit with the, with the logo of the um, company and trying to make a spin of it for the actual uh, VR summit. And I remember to uh, physically, quote unquote, physically take part of it and move them around and reshape their logo into something else. And then it was like the big aha moment. It's like, I would never been able to do that or to, to get that idea if I was just working on Photoshop or Illustrator. You know, like they, when they say like the medium is the message. Well, if you work in VR, for sure, you come out, you come up with different, with different things. So, um, that was uh, all that to say that it never, for me, it's never been like in just one thing. I like to mix things up, you know, like I like to take things from the art, traditional media, mix it together back and forth. And of course, like lately with AI, uh, the mix of it is what makes it uh, really, really interesting. And some time ago, um, I don't know where on Twitter, uh, there was a creative that I don't remember the name, and but there was something you wrote on a on a, on a tweet. It was like avoiding sameness, <laughs> and I was like, yes, I think that resonates with me because uh, my point is, if we all work with the same tools, most likely we'll come up. You know, of course, the idea is a is a is a big thing, but you know, like if we use the same tools most likely will come up something that tastes the same, right? Um, so, so yes, I like to use different tools and also use it not in the right way. <laughs> you know, like when I, when I was in VR, a traditional 3D artist would build things in a certain way, but because I didn't have that kind of path, I would just mess around. And they would say like, ah, you cannot do this. It's like, why not? And actually, like the result that was coming, it was a bit flashy and, you know, like really um, weird visual and weird aesthetic. And that was me just messing up with tools and not giving a fuck about how do you normally do it. Just like being free, a bit like a, as a kid and just play with it. Welcome to UFO, a podcast where artists, musicians and tech creators talk about the future, a place for revolutionary ideas. I'm your host, Nick Hollins, and on today's show, Ivano Salonia, artist, musician, and creator in extended realities and virtual worlds. He is the art director of UFO and based in Amsterdam. Together since July 2022, Ivano and myself have been creating the visual identity, art, and brand of UFO. He is the artist behind the episode poster art and NFT releases we've done to date. Together, we went to ETH Tokyo in April and hacked on UFO project with Lens Protocol and Live Peer. We just got finished building a website at ufo.fm, an initial starting point which will soon evolve. UFO is an on-chain radio station and club for music, arts, and ideas. We are in early stages, and this podcast is first on the network. In this conversation, we talk about Ivano's artistic practice, starting out in advertising, design, and brand, doing work with major global companies and agencies, 
how he became interested in making art in virtual reality and experimenting with AI and generative tools such as Midjourney. Diving into the Web3 crypto and NFT space from 2020, Ivano's worked on recent projects including the motorcycle art video game Night Run with Matto from Hypercastles and designing the 3D records for the meta label Quality Drops series, which has included Gitcoin, Foster, Seek Club, Song Camp, Refraction, and Water and Music, among others, as well as the work that we're doing here at UFO. Ivano and I met in 2020 working on a VR summit during Paris Fashion Week, two days in the Grand Palais, but in a virtual world with all attendees joining by VR headsets. In this episode, we talk about his creative process and philosophy, about the creative scene in Amsterdam with many artists and musicians and technology projects, and a lot of extended realities and VR, and the creation of the UFO art style and drops we've done, including UFO Genesis Pass and the frequency modulation release on Zora, in which we remixed a retro MTV ad from the 80s. Obviously, I enjoyed this episode a lot. Ivano is a friend, and it's the first time he's been on the show. We have a lot of fun making things for UFO, and we're having these conversations all the time. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsors helping to put UFO on the air. First up, our friends at Zerian. UFO is a podcast that brings together the brightest builders, creators, and founders shaping the cultural side of Web3. And Zerian is the perfect wallet for these active citizens. Zerian combines every corner of Web3 in a simple and intuitive app for self-custodial humans. Discover the hottest NFT collections, track your DeFi rewards, and vote in DAOs across 10 plus chains. Come along and check out their app on mobile. You can get started at zerian.io. That's Z-E-R-I-O-N.io. Lens Protocol is the open source tech stack for building decentralized social media applications, a new era for social media in Web3. Lens isn't a social media app. It's a protocol to let Web3 social apps thrive, a permissionless and transparent social graph that is owned by the user. With Lens, your followers go with you to whatever application you want to use. And instead of being trapped inside the walled garden of an algorithm, Lens lets you choose the way you want to experience your social media. UFO is available on all Lens apps at ufoclub.lens. And if you're keen to explore the Lens universe, head to lens.xyz. The catalog of UFO podcasts is available to mint and collect on Zora. All 33 episodes are live on Zora Network and it's now part of how we publish media. Visit ufo.fm and click on podcast to check out the collection on Zora. To explore links for Ivano Salonia, his art, website, and projects, check out the show notes at ufo.mira.xyz. Let's join in conversation, starting with his origins in virtual reality. And I was like, okay, okay. I think like there's potential in this. So I quit my job. I put some money on the side. I brought, I bought um, a computer, a powerful, a powerful computer, a VR headset, and I just started to experiment. And that was feeling really, really good. You know, uh, in 2018, um, like the, the ads, like softwares and hardware, they were not exactly where we are right now. 
So I was, you know, downloading software like Gravity Sketch and uh, Medium, and I started to to transition um, from 2D design to 3D design. So back then I didn't, I haven't done, I never done 3D. And uh, so my intro, the introduction to 3D design was through VR. And that felt amazing. I knew that it was going to be a big thing. At, at the time, people were looking at me strange. It's like, why VR? What do you do with that? And my answer would be like, I don't know. But I know that it is going to be the future. And so I was very, very early with that. Um, so I was focusing mainly on um, artistic practice. So how to create, to make art with a, basically with a different medium. And, and I was amazed because like VR till now is the only medium we have that give us scale, right? <laughs> so, you know, we have photos, we have, you know, videos and stuff, but none of that give us real scale. And when you're in VR and you you can actually create in VR, this was what was my practice about, you can really create at scale. So if you want to create a sculpture that is 10 meter high, well, you can do it and you can experience that. And it's very, very different, you know, like if you scale it down to, to 10 centimeters. So that was, um, that was my my start with extended realities um yeah in 2020 um with the pandemic there's been a lot of interest on uh, on virtual spaces and and i was already working uh building a digital environment uh in game engine like unity so i started to uh, to get deeper into that and of course avatars um, face tracking and and so on. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm really keen to kind of zoom out a little and sort of ask you about. It's been you know, it's been my understanding or catching up with you that like uh, Amsterdam is a major hub for all this kind of stuff, like extended realities and all this kind of like immersive tech and uh, and new forms. And now, uh, I guess I'm interested to ask, like, kind of what's that scene? Uh, look like what does it mean for that place to be a major hub what kind of you know projects and things are happening happening there yeah yeah you know totally Amsterdam um, has been always very good in uh, for the creative industry you know like there's a lot of uh, big headquarters of big brands in here so there's a massive pool of creative and all of them um, you know, like a good level. And there's a lot of competition for that as well. Uh, but funnily enough, Amsterdam, even back, there, back then, was a, was a major hub for Europe for, for VR, together with um, Hamburg and Berlin. Um, and I guess something also in London. Um, there were already a lot of, relatively a lot of people working with um, with extended reality uh, realities um, and it was nice because um, thanks to that I've been introduced to 
lots of developers and I mean back then there were not too many creative people into the extended realities basically there were like a lot of developers uh, switching to possibly to gaming into into VR but it, it was a it was a um, um, an environment uh, dominated by uh, technical people there were not too many creatives then so that was really good because suddenly I could share the studio um, the studio like now is called I think it was, at the time it was called VR Base and then the change them to XR base and then new base whatever <laughs> and I got introduced to a lot of uh, developers and starting to collaborate with them to to build VR experiences um, also photogrammetry that at the time uh, I mean now you you can do it easily with your with your phone uh, but back three years ago three four years ago that wasn't possible so I started to collaborate with people that are doing photogrammetry, you know, taking thousands of shots, creating these massive models with more than a million polygons. Uh, so I've been I've been going through that. And and because like I'm always very um curious about things, I never got stuck with something. So I would get few experiments with photogrammetry, get it done, understanding how it works and then moving on into something else. So that's been like the, the thing I've done the most, you know, also to be a successful artist, I think the most, the, the biggest thing is consistency, right? So you do one thing and you do it over and over and over. And even if I'm very aware of that, that was never been, was never appealing to me. I was like, I don't care about you know, getting recognition out there or being um, uh, recognized for the guy that does that. I don't want to repeat myself. I don't find it uh, interesting. I just want to get shit done and move on, do new things. And this is what I've been doing since then. Yeah. And so, like, on that, again, I, I remember, like, soon around when we're uh, first meeting and stuff like that and getting familiar with your work. And I remember like just jumping on your website and there's this like huge uh, wealth of all these different, you know, projects and works that you've created. And as you're saying, kind of different experiments with the form in VR and 3D design and all this really cool stuff. Like it's a combination of making like really interesting videos, stuff like that, and also building like actual spaces that, that people can step into. Yeah. Yeah, and at the time when we worked on uh, Circular Fashion Summit, my uh, my challenge was um, I built the, the branding uh, of it, and I was like, okay, I can build the branding in the regular way, but this is a virtual reality event. It makes sense that the branding is done in virtual reality. So... Um, if you if you look at it from the outside, it look it looks nice, you know. Like, but the interesting part for me is like I've built that in VR. Yeah, I had ideas while I was in VR, and and I remember that I was um, working a bit with the with the logo of the um, company and trying to make a spin of it for the actual uh, VR summit. 
And I remember to uh, physically, quote unquote, physically take part of it and move them around and reshape their logo into something else. And then it was like the big aha moment. It's like I would never been able to do that or to, to get that idea if I was just working on Photoshop or Illustrator. You know, like they, when they say like the medium is the message. Well, if you work in VR, for sure, you come out, you come up with different, with different things. So um, that was uh, all that to say that it never, for me, it's never been like in just one thing. I like to mix things up, you yeah. know, like I like to take things from VR, traditional media, mix it together back and forth. And of course, like lately, with AI, uh, the mix of it is what makes it uh, really, really interesting. And some time ago, um, I don't know where on Twitter, uh, there was a creative that I don't remember the name, and but there was something you wrote on a on a, on a tweet. It was like avoiding sameness, <laughs> and I was like, yes, I think that resonates with me because. Uh, my point is, if we all work with the same tools, most likely we'll come up, you know, of course, the idea is a, is, a, is a big thing. But, you know, like if we use the same tools, most likely we'll come up with something that tastes the same, right? Um, so, so, yes, I like to use different tools and also use it not in the right way. <laughs> you know, like when I, when I was in VR, uh, traditional 3D artists would build things in a certain way. But because I didn't have that kind of path, I would just mess around. And they would say like, ah, you cannot do this. It's like, why not? And actually like the result I was coming, it was a bit flashy and you know, like really um, weird visual and weird aesthetic. And that was me just messing up with tools and not giving a fuck about how do you normally do it? Just like being, free a bit like a, as a kid and just play with it yeah i'd love to ask you about like as you're describing like you know discovering these new ways of creating things in vr and that kind of influencing or enabling your art practice uh what's it been like for you over the last little while as sort of ai has entered the space and you've been you know playing and interacting with those tools uh as well i know like something interesting you do is like when when creating stuff uh, through prompts and everything that you'll like take some of those creations and remake them yourself, like more like using it as yeah. an inspiration point in the practice and then continuing it from there into your own works, like rather than using just an output from mid journey or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, that's, that's true. I mean, I started to work with AI in 2021 when uh, which is just a couple of years ago, but back then <laughs> there was no text to image generation. There was nothing like that. And I started to work with style gun uh, where you, when you train a model, uh, so you have to prepare the database with images, you train a model and then you try to replicate. Um, that was really, that was really fun. Uh, of course, if you, Nobody used that model anymore um, because, of course, like technology changed. But the reality is that while using that model, there is 
not perfect, it's a bit weird. There was a lot of what's called like hallucination of the machine. You like I um, I'm talking about my project synthetic sensuality. Um, I trained the, the model in explicit images, a lot of nudes, and then I um, I teach uh, you know like I um, I feed the machine with this database. And while it was learning, you could see that the image was getting closer and closer to the initial input. Uh, but my, um, but what I've done, I just stop it right away. So in that in that, in, the, in that way, the machine didn't really get to shapes. Really, you know, it was just like something completely abstract. And for me, that was interesting. Um, the result is just different shape. Like you could recognize the skin and the light and the shadow. So that's the first thing that the machine uh, learned really quickly uh, um, and can replicate pretty well because of course light and shadow um, works always in the same way. <laughs> um, and the result is like this abstract shape. You can see skin, you can understand that it's skin. But there's there's not too not too many details that let you understand. Oh, this is a male part or female part. Sometimes these shapes uh, get blended into into each other. So there's no male or female, and there's like different skin colors coming together, and that for me was beautiful. It was like oh wow, there's like I can see this. Like the machine um, is a bit like a kid uh, that doesn't. Um, understand really well is not actually understanding gender and it's not understanding race so suddenly uh, the, 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 the visual was super interesting because it's a mix of it it's like the machine is kind of better than us you know it doesn't make distinction certain, over certain um, aspect of it uh, and looking back yeah I mean like those images and that, that collection and I created an NFT collection that went uh, kind of okay. I sold some of them, but I've never get into um, pushing it too much because I was into something else already. Uh, if I look back, it's still very relevant to me. So this means it's like it doesn't matter if you're using uh, an old piece of technology or a new piece of technology that shouldn't stop you there. And and coming back to your question. Yes, I do not believe in prompting and getting an output. I think this is, I don't know, it's not interesting, it's too easy. Everybody could prompt and coming up with visuals. If you use Mid Journey or Dali, um, that's, not, uh, that's not really interesting. And also like you will be as good as the tech. You know, if you generated images in Mid Journey six months ago, you recognize that the images are a bit like interesting, but a bit like, yeah, you know, they're not as good. And if you do it now, of course, they're way more detailed and sharp and, you know, faces, they look like actual faces. The eyes don't glitch. People have five fingers instead of seven <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. What's your feeling about that? I saw a tweet the other day that was comparing like mid journey six months ago to now. And it's sort of a figure of a woman with a completely blurred out surreal face and then cut to the now. And it's almost indistinguishable um, from like, what's your kind of read or 
feeling on apparently like the outputs or these engines like evolving perhaps improving that quickly yeah um to be honest uh i i've been working with mid journey for um since april 2021 no like most of the people never heard about it it was still a closed beta you need to get invited in um I have to say it was, it's more interesting as a result, all these glitches have a specific taste, right? And that glitch is specific of that moment in time. Um, Nowadays, yeah, you can generate portrait. They are exactly like photography. And, you know, we can argue that even if they look like beautiful portrait, uh, they're too perfect. This is exactly like photography, right? You know, you can take photos and they're sharp and they're well, well lit and they could also be uninteresting. <laughs> uh, while I, I I don't know, like the, 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 at least for me, like the, the, the photographers I like the most is the one that add stuff on top. They, 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 they work on the, on the medium and they make the image less perfect. So less perfection sometimes make it more interesting. I mean, like, you know, it could be also the opposite. Also perfect images could be, could be uh, interesting. But um, in terms of character, I feel that now, uh, yeah, the perfection can be boring. So it's interesting, like there's this huge writers and actors strike in the entertainment industry in Hollywood and stuff right now. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this in the press, um, but, you know, an aspect of the story is that movie studios are wanting to use like background actors, extras, essentially capture your likeness once on this job and then just read like just create you in backgrounds ever after with no like financial benefit. You know, so yeah, it being used in that way is like wild, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, with with this new technology, there is a lot of uh, ethical issues that comes with it, right? And what you're mentioning is one copywriting is is something else. You know, like uh, these models are uh, trained on images of artists, then they are not getting any percentage of it. Um, yeah, I think like this technology, the, the ethical part still um, has, you know, quite a lot of issues and, you know, they are like, they need to be addressed. It's also true that um, working in the creative industry. So, I mean, I'm, I'm up to, I'm up for that. You know, I think like every creators and artist needs to, to be compensated for their work. Uh, I'm not saying the opposite, but I work in the creative industry for a long time. And, you know, like, is people like creative rip off artists and other creative all the time. <laughs> it's not a new thing, um, especially in the, in the um, advertising industry. Um, what, what the, the one thing that made me leave was that basically when you propose a job, you normally start, you know, with mood boards, 
mood boards meaning you have to take work from other artists or creators or brand or whatever put it in your mood board trying to elaborate something that is yours but actually you're picking elements of each image or each piece and then you just like eat it and shit it that is basically kind of the same but repuzzled uh, and this is the best best case scenario you know best case scenario you do something with it's most of a lot of time uh, you know people just rip other creative off um, and the reason why, one of the reasons I left is because when you present a job to a client or a creative proposal to a client, you need to back up with, this has been done before. We are doing something like, right? Uh, there is no way you could sell a, a, a concept. It's like, hey, you know what? No one ever done this before. We don't know how it's going to happen. Shall we do it? <laughs> So um, these, all this to say that even humans, even creatives, you know, they don't start, they start from other people's work. Sometimes it's a, a conscious referencing, you know, like mood boarding, doing research. Sometimes it's unconscious referencing, you know, like all the visual, all the images, all the video we've been watching for our entire life, they're back to they are stored in our mind. So in a way, uh, we are doing, like AI is doing pretty much what our brain is doing. Yeah, it's interesting. Like this follows really nicely from a conversation that I had with Kabuki the other day, uh, which is the episode mm -hmm. before this one for those listening. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Uh, but yeah, when we're talking about like artists and creative people, like referencing things either subconsciously or otherwise and chatting with Kabuki, we're talking about essentially like, you know, um, a, a feeling of a thing based on the medium that it's coming through, whether it's vinyl records or cassette tapes or VHS tapes or broadcast television when we were kids or uh, radio or all these different things, right? And mm -hmm. that, that also kind of uh, inspires what we're doing. I think it's interesting looking across like the general Web3 crypto space and we see like shout out to Peacenode and other designers that we yeah. really appreciate. Um, and, and like, you know, Seed Club and other uh, folks and projects who are, there's a bit of a hearkening back to, for one thing, like I guess the early 2000s or 90s Mac uh, aesthetic and ads and those old computers and like, uh, you know, FWB Fest has this really fun kind of, I yeah. guess, 70s, 80s kind of aesthetic and what they're doing. Like, I appreciate yeah. uh, all that kind of thing, you know. We make our own worlds. This is the way we, we do things. We reference things, right? Uh, more or less literally, but we, we, we do that. Um, so in that sense, I feel, um, yeah, I mean, there's no answer. I think it's, it's, I hear a lot of copyright issues and, and, you know, um, doubt ethical problems that needs to be addressed. Uh, but you, you know, like us human, we're not better than that. You know, we copy, we rip off all the time. <laughs> so same, same. Another interesting thing I've been talking with people lately about is like AI entering the music space as well. And sort mm -hmm. of this interesting chatting with Kabuki and also uh, Karma and Violetta from Waveworld about this recently. 
Um, but as AI is coming in and like how different is it like relating to that machine than playing with like an analog, analog synthesizer or other t- types of circuitry to help you in composition, right? You know, like people are yeah. having this, this reaction to it. Um, but then, you know, we've, we've spoken about these like crazy videos and tracks online that's like AI um, replications of like Jay-Z and Kanye and stuff or John Lennon singing on a Paul McCartney song or what it like that that stuff's crazy i don't even understand how it works i honestly don't understand how that sounds being mm. produced you know no i mean i have no idea but it, it it does work the actual issue with ai for me it's um is you know like we 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 had a lot of deep fakes and you know like now AI is making um, content um, that is very similar to what we produce. It will be harder. It's already hard. It's extremely hard right now. In the future, it will be even more uh, to distinguish what's real and what is not. Yeah, I think we're there. Um, um, and I think that's the uh the the big issue um i i watched recently um um an interview with uh Noir. Oh, I, I mean i don't know how to how to spell his name really bad but the uh, the guy yeah, that the writer wrote, wrote uh, sapiens and he was saying that he's extremely concerned uh, because you, you know, like he said, like we need to make sure that is explicitly visible if this is AI content or if it's real. Because um, we've seen already how regular social media like Facebook can influence the world, like influencing uh, elections, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that is not not even AI there. Um, so. The thing is, like, this technology could influence our real world really a lot. Uh, and basically, what you will say that um, what is concerned is because AI is learning really well, is learning how to replicate our language, right? <laughs> so imagine uh, in a in sci-fi movies, you know, we, we, we learned that like, you know, technology or the, the robots will take over our world with something that is physical. So we always imagine we watch movies with robots physically taking over the world. And what he's saying is like, well, that's not necessary anymore because the power of language is huge. You know, like war has been uh, done just with words, you know, like some people would convince that what they're saying is the truth and people will act on that. They will lose their life. They will fight for it. So like controlling language is controlling opinions is actually a very powerful thing. And this is what is scary. Yeah, that's super wild because you, you think of the kind of, you know, the US election, November surprise, or they call it an October surprise um, of, of a thing just happening. And what if it's like a video of Biden doing something super outrageous and saying something outrageous like the the night before an election and we can't possibly get the 
the the message out of like that wasn't real that's not a real video but it's sort of the damage is already yeah. done in terms of the voters are going to go and vote a certain way or um you know uh, yeah yeah but yeah, yeah you need to shift and you need to shift like a small portion of of votes and you know like and suddenly just around the margins the, yeah the social political uh um equilibrium of the world is changed <laughs> Yeah, that's a wild thing. Hey, what's that? There's that movie with Will Smith, iRobot. Uh, maybe it's that, or there's the other one where um, Johnny Depp is AI somehow. I think I saw that movie a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but and and in that, everyone's like, "Oh no, what if AI connects to the internet? Like then it'll be unstoppable." <laughs> it's like, okay, I think we did it the other way around. Yeah. We started with the yeah. internet. Yeah, but uh, closing the tangent of um, AI uh, getting in control of the entire world, uh, AI is something that I use a lot in in the design, in the in in, in my in my workflow, even for um, even for UFO. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a actually. Um, uh, is there is it like what like some of the uh, actually all the posters I created? The, there is an AI component, so I I started generating that image, you know, a lot of images, and you know, with a specific prompting, um, uh, in in a specific style. Uh, but what I think is really nice that that doesn't stop there, you know, like I use other few tools to go. And you know, keep doing something else. You know, for instance, when you watch, when you see the posters, what comes up very clearly is is this glitching style, right? More than the image itself. So I start from an image and say, okay, this is the very beginning. Then I start to glitch, and um, and I found these um, incredible tools um, called constraint systems. Um, Actually, there's a bunch of free tools. Um, you know, like they are open source. You can also take take the code, make it yours. And you know, I'm using one of one of those tools called Flows to generate the glitches, right? And you know, it's a, I work with the limitation. The tools is extremely simple. You just push pixel. You know, in any direction you want. So you can you can uh, select cert certain portion of the image and make it flow one or the other direction, and that that made this um, uh, treatment special, right? So you see, like the AI, like those posters don't scream AI. You know, they it, there is a bit of AI, but these other tools. I'm glad I, I didn't. There's no Photoshop involved very proudly <laughs> and of course you know there's a part of design typography that needs to be in place of course and but you see like this is a, a typical example of how you can use different medium and different tools putting it together and come up with something that uh, at least in my in my opinion feels qu quite unique yeah so this has definitely been a big part of our practice as we've kind of been like building out ufo uh together and kind of playing yeah i guess playing different tools and and forms off each other and kind of creating this thing i think it'd be quite fun to kind of share 
kind of behind the scenes of like creating um, UFO itself and the brand and design and, and what we've done with it. Um, one of, you know, yeah. probably among like really common feedback from people is like they really like the posters, you know, and like we've been doing yeah. them as uh, free collects across lens, but like UFO overall has like uh, quite a, a together uh, aesthetic and brand uh, about it and you know now we're setting out to build like an on-chain radio station and it becomes this bigger thing but dialing back really quickly so it's uh, mid 2022 uh, July or so uh, that we yes. started jamming on this and sort of we're coming out with the idea uh, for UFO and kind of inspired by this like counterculture venue from London in the mid 60s UFO club uh, and all this kind of thing. And so from that, we're like, well, making posters for each episode would be really fun. And we can imagine that they would be, you know, up on a wall uh, somewhere. And then another uh, point of inspiration was like photos taken from like NASA, um, you know, probes and stuff uh, in the 70s and, and all that. There's like, it, it, it looks like they're shot on Kodak or something. So that's why, yeah. like, as we kind of, it was real fun to kind of develop this, like, ID for UFO that's kind of, like, spacey uh, and retro and then also having this really nice uh, up-to-the-moment sort of AI glitchy style as well to kind of create this thing. But, yeah, I'd love to throw to you and kind of, I guess, a little of how we've um, been been bringing this together. Yeah, this is uh, this is pre pretty much it. We have some references and uh, old imagery from NASA, of course, is a uh, is 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 one of the the main references, and and the counterculture at a certain point, we were looking at images from the '60s, uh, and 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 at a certain point we were going a bit in that direction, and I felt like hey, but you know like. I think counterculture back then was looking very flashy, you know, with, with these really bright colors. And, uh, and, and I thought it's like, okay, well, we have to build something that, that is inspired of, inspired of um, from that, but it's a bit of a different language. I think like the energy behind the, those posters, you know, the being rebel like not stick too much not being too perfect comes from there right uh, but of course we're using different tools and um uh, and also the, the we, we i had a big challenge because uh this link back to the design systems <laughs> you know it wasn't to build to design one poster you know like we we were setting up um the system to create as many posters as we could you know like at the moment we are number 33 and uh, and you know like we could go up till whatever we want we we already have like two um let's call it seasons you know so we see that slightly the design changed but one of the um, one of the big um issue was like okay this needs to be this needs to be a system. It's not a one-off. What can what can I do to create a workflow that uh, make me design quickly? You know, like <laughs> this is also comes with, with time. You know, I, I I work here, and most of my people, most of my friends, are creatives. And you know, in my studio, 
um, there's a uh, there's like an amazing illustrator, and she she spent like literally three days on a poster, <laughs> and and you know they're amazing, but you know like we we can't do that. You know we need something quickly we need to produce fast so um, uh, creating a workflow that would be fast easy to generate a uh, lots of variation but it feels always a bit different was was a was a big challenge and um and and yeah also like the variation of colors um i worked on um on a palette that eventually um got bigger and bigger but you know there's a range that made uh, the the identity of the poster like the ufo we are this uh, very um desaturated uh color yeah i'd like to sort of look at as you as you mentioned there's kind of two quietly there's kind of two seasons or two variations in design so far with many more experiments and adventures like uh, in mind we've got all kinds of things we're thinking about um but how would you kind of characterize the difference between the first and the second i feel like in the the sort of glitchy uh spacey designs there if you know if people want to go check out the posters maybe for the first time they'll discover that there's kind of an evolution there yeah that's a great question because these things normally they stay in between the two of us of course you are aware of what is the little change but uh, to, to someone that is just like looking quickly they, they don't realize so the first thing uh, the first season uh, the, the, you know like the the most evident things that the posters have like a, the visual part as a bit of a square shape with a bit of a round edge. But the visuals in there, they were more um, related to, to the cosmos, to stars, to space. There's a lot of darkness. There's like um, nebulas. But it was very, um, there was no human presence. So it was it was more abstract. Um, in the second season, apart from being in a round, starting from a round shape, and then the glitch comes out uh, sideways. If you notice, there's always a bit of a human presence there, right? So this is a um, conceptually what changed a lot in the in the imagery, and sometimes you could see. Um, of course, glitched astronauts, but sometimes you can see an um, indirect presence of humans, so machinery, right? So this is what um, I felt it was, it was good to change a bit, also because after a while, you know, you can have planets, you can have stars, you can have nebulas, but after a while it gets repetitive. And in the second season, it's good to see, you know, more more sci-fi machinery. We can see the human in there. Um, and while I'm talking about it, I feel like I'm 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 very curious to 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 see to work on the third season. Yeah, because there will be an evolution of that. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think that will be that will be fun. So. Like another kind of aspect to all this, and yeah, I, I really love all the posters and design and, um, you know, when they come through, it's just like, 
you know, wow, look at the the astronauts in this one or whatever it is. Like I honestly enjoy uh, all of them. But like another aspect to what we're doing is I think the very first tweet possibly was like, we're starting a club. Like that was the idea from the very beginning um, and sort of creating this like this network or a community and what that can look like in this, you know, multi-dimensional Web3 kind of ecosystem, you know, next generation social kind of uh, space mm -hmm. that we're in. And so with that, we've we've created some pretty fun drops and art things and, you know, starting with the UFO Genesis Pass that we did on Mira. Like I've been really stoked about what we've been doing with these, like some of these passes and we did uh, for Lens subscribers, that, you know, uh, uh, collectible NFTs for the first one, 3K, 5K, 15K uh, followers and whatnot. Um, so I really dig all that. And the kind of the aspect that we're building a club kind of is probably my favorite thing about UFO and what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been really fun. Uh, you know, of course, coming uh, coming back to design practice and content creation, coming from the traditional market, as a creative, as an artist, uh, there's a lot of limitation when you work commercially, right? You know, if you work for a big brand, you know, there there's visual identity to follow. There's like a lot of boundaries, and also client is a boundaries you know marketing team that they're notoriously not too creative or not too much into visual art they're the one judging your work so everything that you do it's just like a big compromise let's face it you know like it needs to be you know you have like very little room um to to to, to work with uh, but the fun thing of working in web tree that it feels there are no boundaries yet, right? <laughs> you know, there's much more, much more freedom, and uh, um, and and I think people are more uh, open to see something new. You know, even if it comes to regular, like moving, like living the XR, the virtual reality, whatever. Even when it comes to communication, visual communication, graphic design, illustration people are more receptive of something new. I think this is the this is the exciting thing for me. It is like, oh, you know what? We can do things that will normally, no one would sign off that concept. No one would say yes, because, you know, something is not readable. And who fucking cares? Like talking about readability, um, I, I had the, um, I was lucky enough to uh, end of last year to work uh, with Matteo, that was also a guest in uh, at UFO. Um, so we, we worked on on Nitron, and what I was working uh, was um, were two things. One was the main branding of the of the game, um, and then the the other part was uh, working on the design. Uh, doing the token art, you know, like he generated these AI images and I was doing the system layering, uh, more graphic design, more fake branding. There are like four uh, fashion houses. So I designed this, this fake, uh, four fake fashion brands and working with the system. But um, what I really enjoy, I, I overall was like super good to work together I enjoyed it a lot, probably 
one of the latest best uh, project I worked on. And something was really nice to work with him. He's like, I don't fucking care if it's readable or not. I was working on the night run. And, yeah, the logo. And, and I, yeah, and the logo. I was, I didn't know, you know, what what it would be like, right? And I was like, hey, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? And it's like, do you, do you, do you, you had like, we had different shots. Like, do you care if it's readable? It's like, no, actually, I like if it's not readable. I don't care. Who cares? You know, like people understand it's night run, you know, like it doesn't have to be monkey proof. And that's something that would never happen on any other branding, you know, for a, for a, for a commercial product or service. So it was the first time that uh, Matthew told me, you know what, just go wild. Uh, look, if you, if you make it unreadable, but it's cool, I'm happy with that. And uh, to me, I, in 15 years of working, I never heard that. I never had someone say, I don't fucking care. Uh, and that was, that, was, that was super cool. So I'm coming back to, 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 the, um, to what I was saying. Web3, it feels so far... Maybe in a few years it will change, but I don't think so. It feels it's it's an open space to to design towards something new, something that is not safe, something that is experimental. So that's why I, I enjoy working in this space. Yeah, it was really exciting to see what you guys were doing uh, when Night Run was happening uh, as well, because it's such an interesting project and we did do an episode here as well but like you know uh, motorcycle racing game through uh through this world where nft artworks are like put up as like billboards that you're racing through and i think i've seen that they're kind of updating the game as it goes like the game is continuing to improve and all that kind of thing but like uh yeah what an amazing team up between you and, and Matto and their team to kind of create something like that it was kind of uh kind of magic yeah, 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 and and of course, uh, UFO has been the my main project for the past year, and um, and I think in between me and you, there's like a really good synergy and trust, and uh, and that's really crucial for me because when I design things for UFO, I feel free. I feel free. Um, this doesn't come. Uh, with resp- actually, this comes with a lot of responsibility, right? You know, I'm free to express, you know, what, what I feel is the best is for UFO. I can put my, um, I can put my taste, but I always work in the economy of the UFO branding, right? If you see my other work, my artistic work, it's you uh, you would. You'd, probably you wouldn't say is the same person doing like that. But when I work for UFO, I, I, I embrace that and I, and I design as UFO. I'm, I'm in it and everything is sometimes it comes something that is very intuitive. Other thing, intuition in, in, in advert, I'm trashing advertising industry right now. I'm glad. Intuition is not taken in consideration as, um, as an element, but uh, if you think about artist practice and not content creation practice, is instinct is key. You know, like with UFO, I use a lot of my instinct. You know, I do research, I, I keep updating, I see the space, everything. But 
the instinct play a really big thing. And when we when we jam before before any design, uh, me and you we, we jam, we talk about it, we bounce ideas, and then you 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 let me <laughs> go wild, Absolutely. say go go do your thing. Yeah. And that's something that is very rare to find. And I think like you can see. Uh, that I'm having fun while I'm designing, you know, I, I generally do, you know, like I come back home and it doesn't feel like, ah, oh, you know, I'm tired. I've worked, you know, I work like so many hours. Like, no, actually I'm excited because I, I'm, I'm glad to see the beginning and the end. And at the beginning, most of the time, I don't know exactly what is going to happen, but then when I work, it's feel like, oh, wow, that's a surprise even for me. Yeah. It's also something fun because we're putting stuff out all the time you know, like, it's a continuous stream of of things through the episodes and other projects that we kind of have on the way. But something something else fun that we did was like the frequency modulation uh, drop and and created that it was our first open edition on Zora, right? Um, And uh, I guess this ties ties to our like stories from ETH Tokyo as well, because we're creating that uh, at the time when we're there, but you know, we created this um, homage to to a classic tv ad spot from mtv uh and everything but that was another really fun like art design process maybe i could ask you about about that and kind of producing you know producing that video yeah i mean um that was like a really fun project uh to be honest you had this great idea <laughs> of using the the MTV vampire, you, you know, it's like, oh, what about the MTV? And we, we bounce ideas off all the time. But when you said that to me, it was like, yes, yes, let's do this. This is this is really good. You know, like I can see it already. You know, we, we can remix it, which is part of the philosophy of uh, of creating, at least I mean, for, for many of us, I guess. Um, and then everything was everything was 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 good because of course we have this um, theme of being in space you know we, we have this uh, retro futuristic vibe so you know taking some some footages remixing footages from the 90s feels like yeah that's right and i love this idea of the landing you know especially in the in the web tree I would say a bad word, the crypt of space, <laughs> that is thing to the moon, to the moon, that everyone has a rocket. And for me, it's like, well, we landed. <laughs> you know, I, I, I finally, I don't want to see rocket going to the moon. I just want to see the landing. And that was the landing. Um, there was um, the concept part that I, th- I thought it was really, really strong. Um, and then the design, this, the design part was like, okay, now we have to take we're going to say like, there's no MTV now, there's UFO. Um, and and what I really, like the reference we had, of course, was the 90s, the design of the 90s, the colors and shape. So um, I had the idea and, and of course, like very iconic um, flag. So that was the more uh, 2 the 2D design part that it was nice. Okay, okay let's try to redesign UFO as MTV, and um, and we started with different uh, trials, and and I think like you you got to the point, you said like, but is it going to be U, and then FO like M, 
TV, I was like, oh shit, yeah, fuck, I missed that. Of course it's going to be like that. And luckily enough, we have a three letters name, you know, like <laughs> it wouldn't be happy, it wouldn't be possible otherwise. Um, and then like, yeah, I gener- I used, actually there's AI in there too. <laughs> I used AI to generate some of the patterns uh, um, that you see on the flag flashing. I think there's something like, like 18 different design of the of the ufo so a combination of letters and background and of course um i wouldn't it would be such a long um process to design each of the of each of the um, background but you know with prompts you know i was i was referencing artists from the 90s i could come up with that and and pretty quickly we uh, at least we made the visual part um also the, this word quickly i think it's important to say we can't we can't spend too much time working we need to be fast we we normally work very fast very fast not rushing things because sometimes we have to go back change our mind that happen as well uh, but you know we cannot sit on something for too long and you know like working this is the good thing of having a bit more experience after 15 years um, I, 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 can, I can move quickly. I can take decision quickly uh, and I can produce. I think this is really important for us also to see if something is working and not working. So that's the visual part. And then I'll come to the, to the, to the fun part <laughs> is the music because we created the music too. So some people that collect the thing is like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. It's like, actually we did everything. I mean, apart from filming the landing in the moon, uh, <laughs> that's that's NASA. Yeah, that's a uh, you know NASA repository, uh, you know library footage or or uh, what have you. I think for sure, like something that we can play with into the future as well, because we've kind of we've done this like open edition uh, on Zora, but can be something that we can play with into the future. And part of, you know, we're creating this on-chain radio station, which UFO.FM is kind of pointing towards, uh, the radio thing that we're, we're doing, but yeah, the, the flags and the really nineties kind of color vibe, uh, is super, super fun. I remember when you like shared with me, like there's a bunch of these flags. It's like, Whoa, they look so good. So, uh, definitely something fun there. And, um, you know, so we're, we're finishing off the video, minting it like at the end of when we've been in Tokyo, uh, for ETH Tokyo, uh, yeah, it might be fun to chat about, you know, I, I think it's probably the funnest thing that we've done IRL since certainly since UFO has been live. I think it's the only time that we've also hung out in person since uh, we launched uh, like nine months ago or whatever. Um, so we had yeah. a super fun week there, went to the hackathon. We were like jamming with Lens Protocol and Live Peer and a bunch of friends there. And, you know, how did you find that experience, man? I think it was that, I think it was the first hackathon that you were actively participating in. Like you'd been, you'd obviously been to plenty of events before, but you're actually jumping in and building a project. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was that was wild. It was super wild. So many people. Um, we met a lot of people, met new friends there. Um, it felt that during the hackathon, the pressure was on. You know, you have to come up with ideas. You have to come up with something that is uh, that you have to submit. You know, you cannot not submit. <laughs> um, that that was nice. It was super. Um, also to hang out together. I think like 
in real life is such a different thing you know it's something you know of course it's cool we we, we have the chance to you know to work across long distances uh, along like with different time zone and stuff but working in in real life is very different you know for the academy was amazing uh, challenging challenging there was some stress some time pressure on uh, but also we had fun making the music of the um, of the open edition the remix of MTV and that was really nice also because we didn't talk about it, but both me and you have a big background in music. Um, uh, so this is something I, I sometimes I like. I don't do it professionally, you know. Like, uh, but I've been doing it for more than I don't know, um, 20, 20 plus twenty five years maybe. Um, and then we had the idea of um, making some stuff. So I remember um, we were like, oh, should we do like this and that? And then you, you had, we, did, we couldn't record anything while we were in Tokyo. So um, uh, Nick recorded uh, some guitars and some basic drums in the, um, when he was at home with some, you know, with some instruments and mics. Uh, and then uh, we, we brought our laptop and then we said, okay, then we, we, we make the music. Um, we had the rough cut, rough edit of the video. Was it on, was it on you know, sharp on time? Uh, and then we were just coming back from the hackathon, getting our hotel room, having some beers. <laughs> and in a very small room. And uh, yeah, try to, to make the music happen. And uh, and it was fun, you know. Like generally, uh, I think when you when you have fun doing things, you can really see it. Uh, and there were like some nice moment, uh, especially when it comes to to making the drum. Maybe maybe you want to share how did we do it? <laughs> yeah, we're pretty much like spending that week um, talking about music a lot, sharing a lot of records, and talking about like you know, you know, like if you hang out like every day after day for over a week or so and uh you know so we've you know we've been talking for many many hours and sharing bands and artists that we were you know we we're friends with back in the day stuff that no one's heard before uh and everything so we're having a lot of fun with that and we're also i mean we're also in in tokyo crucial point so uh, yeah. i think we're landing we're smashing like the lost in translation soundtrack then we're getting into a lot of like rick rubin beats and beastie boys and and all that kind of stuff um and another fun part was like when we're riding the the trains around and every station there has a different sort of theme music that plays when you disembark some lovely little like uh modular synth sounding thing and so we were returning to various stations and becoming a fan of the music that would play at that and you had your little um sampler device to kind of record those and make loops as yeah. well yeah the teenage engineering like pocket pocket operator yeah yeah i mean like we had loads of fun like landing in tokyo as well we're catching up with kevin uh, mendoza from when tokyo's friend of mine uh and you know he'd been living in tokyo for maybe six or nine months uh, when we we're getting there and so he was kind of friends with the the art and creative community that are there already so we we're getting to meet like a whole lot of people really quickly um, so it was a super fun week 
for that, you know, and lots of great food and times and music and really wild DJ sets that we saw at a few crypto meetups and stuff. Like it was, yeah, it was a really good time. And, uh, and the hackathon as well. Like we ended up, as you say, like being IRL, um, is super different. And so our ideas about like the, for an on-chain radio station, we're like really developing quickly through the week and chatting with various people, uh, you know, Ethereum people and, and builders and stuff about our idea and kind of hashing it out. And then we ended up, we couldn't find a developer. This is like hackathon confessions now. If you've made it this far in the episode, like this is how we're going out. Uh, but we, we are hopeless. We couldn't I find feel, a developer so to build ashamed. with us, uh, you know, but, so, but we were like, no, like we must submit, you know. Um, and so we'd come up for an with an idea that would be really useful for what we're doing with a radio station. So it was basically live streaming, uh, you know, via live peer or being able to set up a live stream through a website or whatever. Maybe that's token gated or not or whatever it is. Uh, but can we take existing video content and kind of curate that into playlists and then live stream that out and, and all that? Uh, we kind of discovered that that particular like use case didn't exist between live peer and lens yet but is completely possible uh and as i speak someone may have built it already but that was kind of you know what we jammed on that week and what we uh submitted so it was fun like we actually came up with an yeah. idea and put it together and and shared it yeah and funnily enough we got a prize <laughs> i mean that was uh, unexpected we that was unexpected. I mean, I was like, yeah, we're so bad. We couldn't find a developer. This is just an idea. This isn't, this is not going anywhere. Let's submit anyhow. We submitted with few, like the last few hours, I guess. And then, um, yeah. And then we found out, well, we, we got a prize. <laughs> That's super cool and unexpected. And we went like at the end of, um, ETH Tokyo when they're doing the the prizes and everything and everyone goes in and like that was uh one of my favorite parts of the week like seeing this 10 or 12 projects whatever it was like sharing all the crazy shit that they built um yeah. was you know that was a really cool experience and you're in a room of like four or five hundred people and half of them are literally asleep or falling asleep uh from the weekend they've had so <laughs> you know um but that that was amazing man like all, all the all the things that had come through no yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, cool. So something to kind of write out on, I wonder, um, something that I can float with you. Maybe I would like to ask you something along these lines of uh, sort of open question of like, what are you looking ahead to rest of the year? What are you kind of excited about potentially in your creative and art practice and uh, things on the radar? Maybe we can talk about Met Ams even coming yeah. up in like November and stuff like yeah, what are you looking ahead to? Yeah. Well, uh, for sure, um, there is a there is a bunch of work um, we have to do with UFO. You know, building a Web three internet radio, it's a uh, it's a big job. Uh, anything like um, that will take a lot of um, our time. Uh, but um, yeah, like, like we have to say, I mean you are coming to my place. I mean, not physically, not my place. You're coming to Amsterdam in a few weeks. That is exciting. This is the exciting news that um, we can be IRL um, all the time. Uh, not more, not any Discord uh, chat anymore. Thank God. 
Um, so um, that would be, I think like this will give us a lot of energy and I think like it will make us move uh, faster. So you will be here in Amsterdam and uh, we can really shift gear um, on, on the work we're doing and also keep expanding um, the network and coming up with, with new ideas also with this new V2 different layer, V2 layers, they are coming up every day. Um, and um, yeah, there's MetAMS in uh, November, October, and we are chatting uh, with them to, to, I mean, to eventually host a panel, like soon we'll see if it's going to happen, but I think I'm very positive about it. Um, and open the conversation about the future of uh, Web3 social media, what is possible, and eventually trying to to inspire people uh, with with all this this experiment we are doing with different tooling. And Nick, I have to say, you are you know it's great to see you you know like mixing up things, getting in touch with all these new tools, understanding, and try to mix them together. Uh, this is, uh, I think this is becoming also core of UFO because UFO, indeed, it is a club. We are building a club. People know us right now just because of the podcast, but the podcast is just, can I say, it's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, it's, this is, this is you, can I say UFO is not a podcast. It's not, a, I'm sorry, but it's not. Uh, people will know us for that. But there's much more to it. And, you know, like the club is a huge thing. The radio is a huge thing. Um, being experimental with tooling has been in our DNA since the very beginning. So this is, uh, this is exciting. And uh, in parallel to it, um, I'm really looking forward to, to get uh, to do more um, work in XR. You know, we didn't talk, but about it but you know i've done a lot of work doing like what's called metaverse which now becomes like a really bad word but uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah i've been building uh, different words using different um, platform like special and mona um, and that's that's interesting now it's a bit off rather uh, suddenly but i'm looking forward to to experiment more with virtual world, you know, like digital space, call it as you want, um, because I think this is going to be for sure the future of what we're doing, you know, like not navigating scrolling, but basically navigating space as we do in real life. So in a 3D environment. Um, so I'm looking forward to experiment more with that. And I think at a certain point, this will bleed into UFO as well. Yeah. This so this an alpha, 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 alpha. Yeah. So thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been a long time coming, uh, of course, and I'm glad that we could do it for episode 33, which just seems like a cool number and seems appropriate. Um, but for for those listening, uh, where can they find your works online? What's the best place uh, to go and uh, connect with Ivano? Um, my work is, is um, I mean, I have a website that uh, at the moment is uh, nearly done, but it's already there. You know, like you can see all, all the work I've been doing and I'm an old-fashioned Instagram 
uh, this is where I collect, you know, some of the experiment. Um, and actually most of the thing I post, they are in the stories, you know, they just come and go and I share my screen. So people that follows me, they can see what I'm working on in, in real time. Uh, and on Twitter, of course, but basic, mainly, mainly Instagram and my, my website. Thank you to Ivano for coming on UFO. Links to his art and projects are in the show notes at ufo.mira.xyz. Thanks to our sponsors who made this episode possible. To get started with Zerian and create your new crypto wallet, head to zerian.io. To join the Lens ecosystem and explore the future of Web3 social, head to lens.xyz. Subscribers can collect our NFTs at ufoclub.lens. This is Nick Holland signing off from UFO.